available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Hello there. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Greetings, friends. I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the uh, aforementioned 24-7 Sports Network. And together, David and I, we make the podcast of champions. That's right, baby. Talking all things formerly Pac-12 football. We have some uh, We have breaking news podcast. There's some big news going on. We were supposed to do, our apologies, we were going to talk to Steve Bartle over there uh, at Ute Zone, talk about some Utah Utes because it's the offseason. We had to throw a little curveball. We got, we got a curveball thrown at us because there's been some news that's happened since then. I was in uh, Scottsdale checking out the uh, waste management open and all that fun stuff. And uh, all kinds of stuff happened. I'm uncentered. You didn't do any of your prep work. I'm totally uncentered. Um, yeah, go that way a little bit. Good God. Yeah, there you go. You didn't tell me what to do. You didn't give me any stage direction. This is not where I usually sit. Well, too bad. That's Your where camera got now. screwed up. Uh, Scott says, Dave must be... Oh, I got the wrong uh, graphic up there, but um, that was you. Mm. I want to say uh, this is going to be uh, one of my favorite shows ever, possibly. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we want to. We're going to get to all this stuff. So we got to get to the breaking news. So that's why we're doing UCLA today and not Utah because all the stuff that's happening. If you do want to get a hold of us, we are. Well, first of all, we're live on YouTube right now on our YouTube channel. So thank you for tuning in. We're doing this Wednesday. At noon, this is a nooner, nooner show. Um, so thank you for tuning in on our YouTube channel. We love when you guys do that. And if you're listening across the different podcasting platforms, that is awesome as well. You can leave us a review over at the Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasting apps you got out there. Uh, you can email us, pack12podcasts at gmail.com. We didn't have a lot of emails for a couple of weeks. Now we got a ton. So I think there's a lot of UCLA ones in there. I haven't looked at them yet. So we do have a voicemail. If you want to call or text us, 424-532-0678. That is our number. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast, and the website is Pac-12Podcast.com. Did we uh, happen to get any new reviews, David, over this uh, breaking news? The uh, breaking news for UCLA Bruins. We do have one. <gasps> okay, cool. Uh, this is from Gecko95, a five-star review. Review. Hmm. Hark, esteemed David and Ryan. In pondering the standing of this podcast amongst its peers, I have discerned it to embody mediocrity. It is akin to the UCLA football of podcasts. Is it entertaining, you might ask? Indeed it is. Twixt Ryan's tales of revelry and David's musings on the profundity of communism, there lies much amusement. Like unto UCLA football, this podcast is not a, quote, 
sleeping giant, nor a giant at all. Yet it exists within the industry, and that must count for something. In this age of participation trophies, I bestow upon you, David Woods and Ryan Abraham, the participation trophy for college football podcasts. I beseech Mr. Woods to share his ruminations on the tenure of Charles Edward Kelly at the University of California, Los Angeles. How didst thou feel upon Kelly's hiring? What were thy hopes, dreams, and expectations? When didst thou realize that this endeavor had gone awry? What are thy final musings on Kelly and his prowess in recruiting? Doth he rank among the top five coaches in UCLA history? Lastly, permit me to conclude this critique with some admonishments, Ryan. Mm. Thou art surely the most amiable USC supporter I have yet to encounter. However, I would counsel thee to improve thine enunciation. For at times thou dost resemble Joe Biden in the throes of a faltering press conference. David, thou art the quintessence of a West Coast elitist. Thy knowledge of history is passable. Yet for one of thine erudition, there is a notice there is a notable absence of discourse on the Roman Empire and a ranking of the top ten empires. Press on, good gentlemen. Signed Maximus Decimus Meridius. I'll give you that. That's for you, for the reading and for the review. Thanks, Maximus. Uh, that was great. Tremendous. Tremendous review. We love it. Uh, there were some questions in there. Should I answer them, or should we just get to them in the show? Because I think it was mostly about Chip Kelly. Oh yeah, we could probably get to him. In yeah, because we're going to need to do an obit on Chip Kelly. Yeah, we got to we'll do. Talk. Yeah, we, we got to start with that. Yeah. Um. So there's this guy. This guy, who UCLA like seven years ago uh-huh. hired to be uh-huh. their head coach, raised it to the ground, burned it. Well, you you the University of Florida. Wanted Chip Kelly to go there. He said, "No, I'm not going to go to Florida. I'm, I'm not going to destroy that program. I'm going to go. There's an already beaten down program that I can finish off. Yeah, and that's what he did. And real quick with the participation trophies, like Amy mentioned that in the chat, um, we started the whole. You know, there was no Pac-12 podcast until we came along. I don't think so. We kind of created the industry, uh, and we were so bad at it that a lot of other ones popped up. But yeah. Yeah, and now explicitly, now no truck dead. stops. I believe started because we didn't record regularly enough for them. Maybe, yeah. Explicitly, I think that's in the text of their uh, their charter. Wow. Okay. So anyway, this guy Chip comes in there. I mean, I thought it was a good build the program, right? Like you know, you maybe you don't make a ball game for the first few years. Yeah, you didn't win any out of conference games, and maybe maybe you never competed for a conference title. And maybe you never recruited at anything other than like a top 30 level after or at anything other than a bottom 90 level uh, past your first recruiting cycle. Mm. But besides that. Yeah. What's well, it? It's not like it's a fertile recruiting ground. Right? No, no, no. Like, it's not like it's located in Los Angeles. Um, wait. Wait. University of California. Los Angeles. Oh, shit. It was funny. Dan he West- must have been fucked up on that. He must have not known. He must have thought it was like, um, I don't know, uh, you know, Louisiana. No, that wouldn't work either. No. Um, gosh, it's- what must he have thought L.A. stood for? It's funny. Dan Wetzel was talking about this on his podcast, and he goes, you need to be able to recruit well in L.A. L.A. County has more people than 41 states. Like, yeah. L.A. County. That's not even Orange County, which has millions more down yeah. there. Like. Within driving this. Well, and good UCLA staffs, you know what they've also done? They've recruited Northern California, too. That's a whole other thing. And you know, you know what California has more of than any other state? People. People. 
people. There are so many people here. There are so many. Just an absolute amazing ton of people. Yeah. Recruit those people, please. Some of um, them have to be able to be good at the footballs. Yeah. So, all right, let's give the news first because we're being yeah. we're being jocular. I mean, uh, Chip Kelly like literally put his name like he was actively trying. Is this fair? He was actively trying to not be the head coach. Okay. At so UCLA. setting the stage for everyone. Okay. Uh, guy's a loser and a chump, right? The whole way through. Like he's been a loser and a chump from the beginning, and he wow. lucked into a season where he had a fifth year senior and a bunch of other guys uh, on offense. But he's a loser and a chump, and he's been a loser and a chump since he came back from the NFL. Basically, since his last couple years in the NFL, lost the will to like do anything good, and had no drive or energy or anything for this job from the beginning. And it was obvious after like six months. Okay, so that's setting the stage. No bullshit. That's all objective analysis. Uh, you know, not objective analysis because it's not objective. It's subjective. Anything that's opinion is subjective, but it's true. Okay. Uh, here's here's what he decided to do over the last uh, three months. Um, he saw recruiting wasn't going well. First, first in November he was like this close to getting fired. I know people okay. like denigrated our reporting on that. It was true. It just didn't end up happening. Uh, this close. This close, and he didn't quite take the hint from that. What he took the hint from was when he tried to do transfer recruiting, and they literally couldn't even get guys to visit because uh, everyone knew their NIL money was right. So they blew uh, it all on Dante Moore, apparently. So this chump decides at that point, I'm going to pursue literally any job I can find. Here's what we heard we heard. He's looking at NFL jobs. He looked at the Raiders. He looked at the Seahawks. He looked at the Commanders. Uh, he looked at, um, what was the other one that was open? The Bears? Something something else was open. I think the Bears, what, yeah. Whatever it was. He looked at all those. Uh, we learned that he also talked to Kirk Ferentz about the Iowa OC job. So you think it's a downgrade that he went to Ohio State. He was looking at the Iowa OC job. That one didn't get serious because that happened early enough on in the cycle that I thought he, he, thought he was going to get an NFL job. But I think if Iowa, I don't know if they've even hired yet, but if they had been willing to like just completely wait, might have happened. Anyway, um, we get then to uh, the end of January. He's tried to get numerous OC jobs. Has has This is how much of a, again, a loser and a chump. Uh, he struck out on all of those. Nobody wanted to hire this guy. Nobody did. Like the idea that he was in any way a hot commodity is... Not true. Okay. 100% untrue. Uh, nobody wanted this guy. So then they get to Ohio State, and here's the only one that makes sense, because what is the number one rule of hiring bad coaches? Cronyism. Cronyism. <laughs> or nepotism. Or nepotism. Cronyism. Nepotism is how you hire inexperienced coaches. Cronyism is how you hire bad coaches. Ah, I like that philosophy. Yeah. Uh Cronyism uh, leads Ryan Day to giving a handout to his buddy, who's also his mentor, Chip Kelly, to ride off into the sunset, making $2 million a year at Ohio State. Wish him the best of luck. I don't. Um, he uh, Didn't Ryan Day like play quarterback for him back east? Somewhere? Yeah. When uh, Chip Kelly's first job as an offensive coordinator, when he had the will to actually do something good for a program, um, Ryan Day was his quarterback. Ah, so there, there's, there, there's some cronyism going on. Yeah. So that's all cronyism. He so, was golfing with Ryan Day. When he heard the news about the Pac-12. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy, huh? About leaving for the Big Ten. So, so they're close. So Chip Kelly um, waits through signing day when UCLA signs uh, its, again, worst class in, in school history. Uh, and then ditches out um, 
last week on Friday uh, informs the team that morning. We'd obviously, like, we were alluding to it on the show, but, like, it was very serious throughout that time, so I don't think anyone was caught off guard. Um, and, like, I'm of, I'm holding two thoughts within my mind at all times. One, I obviously wanted him fired. Like, I right. wanted him gone. But at the same time, just an absolute embarrassment at the bottom of just, like, this sea of cascading embarrassments that that guy has caused this university and this football program from basically day one. Like, just, there was... The process to hire him, the decision to hire him is still not at fault. Like, you would have had to be Nostradamus to know right. this isn't going to work out. He was a hot commodity. But like at that. every turn since then, he has uh, degraded the job. Like, he's made it worse with every single decision he's made. And everything, every decision he's made was born out of this just innate laziness. Did not want to do the job of a college head coach. Which, he to wanted, be fair, he wanted changed. To, yeah, it's changed well, a lot. Did it change in 2019? No, no. No. It was the same thing it was in 2019, and that's when he signed a class that included a bunch of guys who were looking at the College of Mines. Um, that's back. So people, like, this is a narrative that um, your friend Bruce and a bunch of other people are spouting because Chip and his agent are telling everyone this, but NIL didn't really exist until 2021. Go back and look at Chip Kelly's classes in 2019 and 2020. Um, they were still bad. They were horrible. Uh, horrible classes for UCLA. Not for Indiana, but horrible classes for UCLA. Um, and again, I'm not denigrating the players. I'm denigrating the rating. I'm denigrating the general aggregation of the class. Um, he did that when NIL and the transfer portal were not a thing. Um, so if you're talking about what set him up for not succeeding at UCLA... It has much more to do with what he did in his first three years than people like to engage with because they're like, oh, well, you can't hold, you know, three and nine and four and eight against him. Eh. It's not like that part. Yes, you can, yeah. because those are years of your life as a fan that you have now lost um, because those were terrible seasons. But like put that aside, you can hold the recruiting against him. You can absolutely yeah. hold that against him because there's a lot of guys who have sold shit to recruits and gotten good classes at UCLA. Uh, Rick Neuheisel. Uh, that can be done with just work. It's effort. hard work and effort. Effort is relationship building, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And he he built a horrible culture on that staff of not working hard. Um, and that's, I mean, if we're being honest about what the biggest thing needs to change is that's because a lot of that staff may be retained. Um, and some of them do, but the culture was not being a, a heavy duty recruiting staff. Um, and Chip Kelly uh, instilled that culture. And that's more than anything else why UCLA was a failure and why it was projected to be so bad next year mm. and down the road because he wasn't doing that stuff. And then the game changed. And you're, you know, they're right in this narrow respect, but why? Does UCLA lag so far behind in NIL donations? Why does it lag so far behind in fan engagement? Why does it lag so far behind in donor relations? Because the program has been a failure for the better part of nine years, and Chip Kelly was there for six of those. Hmm. Uh, and he was a big part of the failure, and he did no donor outreach, he did no NIL outreach, and he pissed on fan engagement constantly and all the time. Did away with UCLA traditions that people like. I mean, I think they're like whatever, but like 
Bruin Walk, where the fans like line the the um, lot H and the players walk through them and they like get high fives on the way in. He did away with that. Why? No reason. Just yeah. just fuck the fan base. Um, closed fall camp to any outside observing, um, which has been done in the past, but for the most part. UCLA coaches were pretty open about fall camp because it's a great way to get fans engaged right before the season. Yeah. Spring ball is a great way to get like the people who are already intensely into it engaged. Fall camp's the time to like be like, hey, checking out some Football of our new c- come check out some of our new players, see all this kind of stuff. Uh doesn't do that. Um just at at every turn, not having a real spring game, basically from day one having it basically just be a practice that they have at Drake. And it just like and it was like we talked about. He this. tried to make it the worst practice possible. We right? talked about this for a couple of cycles where it was just they uh, they made it a practice, but they made it a more boring and awful version of a practice. Yeah. Like there was one where they spent, I'm not kidding you, thirty minutes on special teams. And if you've watched a practice before, it's not like special teams can be fun if you're watching it in a game. Like watching the kickoff return is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's not what special teams is in a practice. No. It's like half speed punts and then half speed returns because you're lining up your blocking and stuff. It's boring as hell. Yeah. Like he didn't even save the scrimmage practice for that day. It was just another regular practice, but it's at Drake this time. Um, so anyway, I'm ranting, but the guy did serious harm to UCLA. Like, I think anybody who's talking about him and saying, oh, you know, anybody who's moved on from UCLA, you got to appreciate them at some level. Not that guy. Like, he did so much harm to your school uh, and to your football program that you should be incensed that he was allowed to do it for so long. Incensed. So you're on the fence. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I wore red. Yeah. Uh, No Utes. So this, I'm, I'm representing Utah uh, in there, and hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, we got some fun stuff to talk about on Valentine's Day. I should take so, a breath more often. So Chip leaves, <laughs> vamoose, bye bye. It's uh, I think the the thought was if he left for an NFL coordinator job, like the guy from BC does, you're like, okay, you can kind of like justify it somewhat. Like I'm getting, but when you leave for an Intra-conference, new So foe. let's start there first because in – in okay, USC fans joke about UCLA and a lot of people joke about UCLA, but in no world does anyone think that it's at the same level as Boston College or that it should be. Right. Like maybe it is. In the reality no, of no, right now, it so. might be. But nobody should think, oh, yeah, UCLA in its ideal st- structure should be losing coaches to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Maybe right now because of how Chip Kelly hurt the program, but like let's all uh, reality UCLA is like a top 30 program all time. They shouldn't be losing coaches to the NFL for offensive coordinator. Losing for a head coaching job sure. Um but I mean f- but it's it's a little more understandable. Sure. It shouldn't happen. Sure. But there was also he was looking at the Boston College head coach job, lost out on that too because Bill O'Brien took it, and then he took Bill O'Brien's job. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, lo- losing a head coach to a a a conference opponent, uh, even if it is a higher falutin program right now, and in perpetuity, um, as a coordinator is ridiculous. Like that's something that's happening, like South Alabama to Alabama. UCLA is the South Alabama, apparently, to Ohio State's Alabama. Yeah. Scott says, how dumb does Jonathan Smith look? 
now for bolting to East Landfill so early in the job opening process. Here's yeah, the thing. It feels like you like he bought Bitcoin at like fifty and then it went to seventy five and he sold it and then it went to fifty thousand. And you're like, oh I should have held it a little bit the, longer. The great reckoning for Martin Jarman and UCLA's administration is going to be figuring out in the fullness of time whether their gamble to not pay a buyout in November is going to pay off. Because if they had paid a buyout buyout in November, one of Jed Fish or Jonathan Smith would be the UCLA head coach right now. Yeah. But instead, they waited till February, and they got out of it without a buyout. They didn't have to pay anything to Chip Kelly to leave. He actually paid them $1.5 million. Is that, you know, whatever it was, $10.5 in cost savings going to be worth it? And they got to really hope Deshaun Foster works out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Smith um, – I, I, I can't you can't fault him for like jumping at a good job opening that was coming, but I mean he couldn't have known for a fact that Washington was gonna come open and he couldn't have known for a fact that UCLA was gonna come open and he would have had to wait till February. Um it's just hard to fathom and frankly getting a sitting head coach from what I know of the search, getting a sitting head coach in February would have been very, 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 very difficult. Yeah. He would have had to pay a premium you would have had to pay a buyout, and you would have had to do a lot of pitching to convince a guy, because these guys are mercenaries, but even mercenaries have a point at which they won't ditch out. February is a very close to spring ball for a lot of these guys. Yeah, uh, Martin Jarmond, uh, he spoke before, so there was about a three-day coaching search. Yeah, so um, uh, it started a little bit before that, but yeah, it began in earnest on Friday morning. So he talked about... I think there was 11 interviews he actually conducted, but there was, he said he gave a wide, I think there was 50 people or something like there was a lot of people he was considering, but as you mentioned, it's going to be really hard to get a sitting head coach, but it's that, you know, like PJ Fleck from Minnesota had to put out some kind of statement. There was a whole controversy with like Jed fish that, um, you know, him being, I think, Jason Shear might have said that he was interested in the job or something, and then people were like going against that. I don't know. There was, there was a lot of stuff sort of kind of going down. I don't, maybe you want to give kind of behind the scenes or what you know from like the, the three day yeah. search and some of the people that were like, okay, interviewed or considered or whatever. So from what I know, um, they got into the search Friday morning in earnest. They did a lot of, um, from what I heard. They did a lot of interviews. And by interviews, I don't mean like formal, like you were sitting down at a table and you right. bring your resume, but like a lot of calling around, a lot of trying to set up Zooms. And even if they were short, they were they were trying to like get a feel like, is anyone interested? Who's interested? That sort of thing. Um, so there were a lot of those. Um, initially, my understanding is they uh, kind of zeroed in on PJ Fleck as, you know, a t- real target. Um, and they, uh, connected with him, um, in Cabo and, uh, that conversation really didn't go anywhere. Um, they, you know, talked, they tried to, you know, come to terms on some stuff, but the reality is UCLA wasn't going to pay enough. Um, and I think it, it, it fell well short of even getting to the point of a job offer from what I understand. Um, and then there were a lot of other names. So I want to, I want to, um, so there were two things that happened, and I think this like drew a lot of consternation uh, on a couple different message boards, but I want to address it. UCLA did talk to Brent Brennan. Now, here's the important thing for Arizona fans to understand. Brent Brennan, more or less immediately, told him to fuck off. Like, that's good for your program. 
um, he's an alum of UCLA. For UCLA to reach out and say, hey, you interested? And for him to tell him, yeah, nah, fuck off. That's good for you, okay? It's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. He would have been, it would have been unexpected for an alum not to at least like take the call. You're an Arizona hater, man. That's what I am. Okay. Yeah. The other one, and this is one where I felt bad for um, our friend Jason Shear a little bit. Um, Jed Fish, like I heard this from multiple people, so I, I think there's at least something to it. He had at least a conversation, and I don't think he was pursuing the job. I don't think they were pursuing him for the job. But again, kind of the same deal. Hey, you interested? No, not really. But him denying any sort of contact whatsoever, not as far as I know. So anyway, those two things. The rest of it, um, they talked to a lot of different people. Tony White from Nebraska, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska. He's an UCLA alum. Uh, He was somebody who I know was very interested, and they were looking at him pretty strongly. They interviewed him. Um, But there were a variety of guys. And then uh, Deshaun Foster and kind of what went down here is Friday. So Deshaun Foster was UCLA's running backs coach until like a week and change ago. Uh, He then left for the Raiders. Um, to be their running backs coach. So he's not on campus at this point. It's not technically an internal hire. Um, Friday morning, once the players hear that Chip Kelly is leaving, uh, they all um, say, we want Deshaun Foster. Like, they start tweeting it out. Um, a couple of them tweet out Ikaika Malloy. A couple of them tweet out Deshaun Foster. Now, here's the thing to understand as, like a, as a connoisseur of college football. This happens all the time. Every time there's an coach opening the the players will always pick their favorite assistant coach as like oh yeah they should hire him right it's never like Like oh they should hire nick saban uh no it's always who's the guy who i've got the best relationship with on this staff who makes the most sense and then they'll pick him um that's like if you take your daughter's grocery shopping and like what do you guys want for dinner and you're like just pick what you want and it's like gummy bears totally yeah and And from what i gather like that wasn't like super initially persuasive but it became more persuasive over the course of the couple of days um and then this was more or less a done deal by sunday um that deshaun foster was going to be the new head coach um i think i think jarmond was um persuaded by his passion um and if you watched the press conference yesterday you saw it like he's he was in tears like he's super um passionate about the job and wanting to do the job well um but I think that's. I think the players were persuasive. I think, um, I think Deshaun himself was persuasive to Jarmond. And then I think on top of that, um, there's a likelihood that Deshaun Foster will retain um, some portion of the coaching staff. And so UCLA gets out of having to hire a whole new staff, pay off the buyouts for a whole new staff, like do all that kind of stuff that goes into turning over a coaching staff. And I think that was a factor as well. So there was a lot that went into this. Yeah. Um, and they ultimately settled on uh, on uh, UCLA running back great and former running backs coach Deshaun Foster. He was at the program almost like 10 years, like graduate assistant started out there in his coaching career. I, I guess one of the good things, like you said, staff continuity, um, they still need an offensive coordinator, right? There's still a couple of hires that need to be made. But the other thing is when the portal window opens in February, there's just not a lot of places to go. Like, there's no point of I'm going to go on the portal now because there's there's going to be another opening by the time. If you want to leave after spring, you can do that. So there's not really a lot of reasons for everyone to go in the portal. But if you hired someone from the outside, maybe people would do it just anyway. Um, so I don't think the, the one good thing about this happening in February is just it didn't seem like 
it's harder to get your roster to turn over now than it would have been in like December or January. Yeah. Um, I think that's a factor. Um, I still wouldn't be like surprised if some guys enter um, just because there's some of these guys who could command some pretty big figures. And now that Chip Kelly's gone, um, particularly on offense, I could see some guys being like, well, you know, I was kind of married to that offense and like being put in a good position to succeed, but maybe I'll look around now. Um, I do think it calmed down some of the like potential for that. I do think there were probably five to 10 guys who were going to really strongly look at entering the portal. And I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Yeah. Cause I think foster and that was another factor. And I should share that. A- another factor is that um, the impression is that he's going to retain most of these guys and they won't utilize the, this new window that opened. Right. You um, can, you can basically cut guys and like, Force them to leave the program. If they stay, they stay on scholarship, but they won't be counting towards the football team. They would just have to be in school. So that yeah, I don't. So I don't think UCLA is in any position to cut guys right now. Yeah. Um, and roster wise, there won't be. Like Chip um, Kelly came in and did that. You know, like there's- Chip Kelly did, came in and did that. And like a lot of the thing with this, um, with this hire was continuity, um, which is an odd thing to think. And this is where like the cognitive dissonance is. I think with a lot of the fan base right now, and and kind of what the administration thought is I think Martin Jarman thought in a lot of respects that this tenure was a success. And he wanted continuity from that. Continuity in terms of culture in the program, which I don't think you can denigrate over much because, um, you know, as far as, like, good kids, good students, all that kind of crap, uh, Chip Kelly did a pretty good job. (laughs) All that kind of crap. Um, Well, it's not. uh, This is the thing, and this is, I think, an important thing to understand, is as much as you might want to be a quote, student-athlete-led program or a student-athlete-centric program. Every college football program at an inherent level is not that. It is fan-centric. Every college football program, because that's the only way you bring in money to sustain it. Gotcha. Everything must be fan-centric. And if you do not like um, take the fan's point of view about a particular program, which I would say, you know, again, this is... Judging just like um, soft factors, but right now, um, I think through like the stupid NIL form that we have on our website, people have given like $100,000 since Friday. Wow. I think in the entirety under Chip Kelly, they'd given about 130 or 140. Like, so in, a, in five days, it's almost reaching that level. Uh, I think fans were very, very dissatisfied with the Chip Kelly era. So yeah. continuity from that is. It depends on what you mean. Um, and that's the piece where, like, okay, if it's continuity in terms of the players, then, yeah, you can't cut guys. You can't, like, get aggressive with that sort of thing. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how much continuity there is, how much continuity there is in terms of recruiting strategy. Because if I was – there's two things that I would pinpoint as the major failures of Chip Kelly, and not much of them had to do with on the field. Well, three. One of them was on the field. Defensive coordinator for the first three, four years was a disaster. But uh, if we're talking about like things that that inhibited him from success, it or prevented him from success really, uh, were uh, recruiting and uh, donor relations, NIL funding in the latter stages. Those two things you can't have continuity in terms of those. And they spoke to one really well yesterday Which about one? The, the NIL. One? NIL yeah. um, for the first time, and this can't be underscored. It sounds minor and small potatoes to a lot of people, but. Martin Jarman saying and publicly name dropping men of Westwood, um, both of them talking about we need to aggressively talk to our donors and get this like it was it was um, 
forward. It was we're we're going to do this. We're going to have a uh, we're going to do these things. That's it's maybe not where a lot of programs are, but it's way ahead of where Chip Kelly was. Gotcha. The other piece, the recruiting piece, I think is much more of an unknown um, because uh, Foster told me yesterday that um, he doesn't want to lose that like exclusivity idea with UCLA's offers. But if you know anything about the recruiting game, you got to yeah. offer far and wide. Yeah, you, yeah. You got to use a blunderbuss and just offer as many guys as you can because a hit rate in sales is not you're not super high. Right. Um, the best programs nationally are offering like 40 offensive linemen a cycle. UCLA, he said, well, maybe we offer 15. And it's like, that's uh, that's more than like the eight UCLA offered like four years ago. But that's not going to cut it uh, no. unless you've got an insane hit rate. And that's you got to have some dynamite recruiters to recruit at even close to that hit rate. And even then you're not going to get there. Um, all right, so I have a question, or maybe you know, kind of talk to you about this. For people outside the program, Sean Foster, uh, UCLA great running back, had a successful NFL career, like I said, a longtime assistant coach. When you're going to make a hire, and you said UCLA top 25, top 30 football program of all time, right? You would put them in that category. Yeah. I usually look at, there's like kind of like a list I sort of go through, and you can critique my list, and admit, you know we'll go through each one and see where like Deshaun Foster kind of fits it. All right. So major program had like, you're going to go out, you need a head coach, you go hire an established successful sitting mm-hmm. head coach. Like that's probably the number one one, mm-hmm. right? You'd like to do that. So not, not that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, maybe a former head coach, like a successful guy who's not a head coach anymore. Maybe he's an offensive coordinator somewhere, but he has head coaching experience. Just hasn't done it lately. You bring him back into the fold. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. If you want to do the hierarchy, we can. I I just want to kind of cut through it because UCLA's position in February made a lot of that shit, like, impossible. Right, okay. Um, And so that's, again, if you're talking about, like, the failure of the process, the process not beginning in November when they should have fired Chip Kelly, like, everyone knew this was done except for the UCLA administration, apparently. Like, Chip (laughs) Kelly knew. That's why he went and pursued every fucking job he could find. Yeah. Um, if you weren't going to fire him at the end of November, you needed to fire him at the end of December when it became a reality what your recruiting class was going to look like. Because if you fire at the end of December, you know who you're still in line for? Jed Fish. Yeah. Um, because he hadn't yet let, left Arizona because Kalen DeBoer hadn't yet left Washington. So you could have um, got him. If you'd fired at the end of December when it became obvious that you were signing the worst UCLA recruiting class in history. Um, that's why I kept saying throughout this whole process the right time to fire a failed head coach is always right now. Um, and once you got to February, you're in deep shit. Yeah. Um, and so changing your hierarchy, because I think you're right that um, a sitting head coach is always your preferred option, like a sitting successful head but coach. But it would be hard to get a sitting head coach in February. Exactly. Maybe a former. Ex-head coach I don't love as much. Okay. Because here's here's my problem with a lot of what UCLA has done in the past, because you had Jim Mora, you had Chip Kelly. Both of those guys were sitting head coaches formerly. And I would say Jim Morris started off good. But the problem with both of them is that they didn't have the energy for it in the long run. They didn't have the energy to do this again. Gotcha. Like once you've already reached a level of success, and this is just like human dynamics stuff, it's hard to then get back on the horse and want to do it again. Like Mick Cronin in basketball is a rare breed in that he like is just in love with doing that. Yeah. And so he's willing to turn around, you know, three straight programs in a row, Murray State, Cincinnati, and then UCLA. 
Um, but most of the time, you're not going to get a unicorn like that. You're going to get a guy who's like, I'm in my mid-50s. I don't necessarily want to just like work my ass off and do a thing again. Well, I'm thinking like, you know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, guys that maybe like got a young, failed, and then came back. Like guys yeah, like but that. I, I'm not sure how much those guys are the norm or versus, um, you know, the exceptions. Um, yeah. my, my feeling on this hire was... Go find a really good coordinator who's energetic and ready to do this. That's that was my next one. Is like yeah. an outstanding offensive defensive coordinator, um, X and O guy that could make the jump and be the head coach. Yeah, and that's where like that I think that would be a, a been achievable. And maybe. that's and that's why like I kind of landed on Tony White because I think another factor in this one, and this is why you've seen ASU and Arizona both go with like alums or pseudo alums because Brent Brennan like. He spent a lot of his early years at Arizona after graduating from UCLA, and his wife is an Arizona alum. But then you have ASU getting Kenny Dillingham on campus. Um, there's value in that when you're trying to make the head coaching job much more about fundraising, much more about we got to get dollars flowing in again, is you take somebody who connects to the program's past and gets them gets that aspect of it and can pitch that aspect of it and make it feel more like a home thing. And this is antithetical to everything I've ever thought about hiring. But the realities of UCLA's position right now is the program is at its lowest level in probably school history or at least since like the 1940s. Like Jeez. it's it's in dire straits. NIL lags behind basically everyone else in the Big 10. Um you know, maybe like Northwestern's lower, maybe a couple of those schools are lower, but it's it's in bad shape. Uh, fan engagement is obviously an eyesore. Everyone sees it when they watch the games at the Rose Bowl. Um, and yes, we all joke about UCLA fans not showing up to games. It's never been this bad, ever. Um, so there's all this stuff that having somebody who's got some juice who connects with UCLA's past, I think is a factor, a key factor. And I identified a different guy. Like I thought Tony White, who again was a UCLA linebacker in the 90s, um, who has been a coordinator, who's been a successful coordinator. He had a top 15 defense at Nebraska this year um, and had like he's got the he's got the recruiting cachet. He's got like all the kind of stuff that you want. He's got a lot of experience in the West Coast recruiting to multiple different programs Um all of that taken together, I thought he was probably the best realistic option. And UCLA ended up hiring Deshaun Foster. And with Foster, you're still getting that second thing I talked about. Like, you're still getting that connection to UCLA's past. You're still getting yeah. potentially that whole thing. The problem is you're not getting coordinator experience. You're not getting somebody who can really, really assist on one side of the ball. Um, he doesn't have play calling experience on the offensive end. He doesn't have major game planning experience on the offensive end. Um, and, and this is, this is the part where I think you need to see major growth from Foster. Um, if you're a UCLA guy, uh, he needs to be a much better recruiter as a head coach than he was as an assistant. See, um, I was gonna, I was going to say like, if you have a CEO type that could just get X and O's guys behind, I don't know if you'd put Foster in that category. He might have to be that. But the other thing is the hotshot recruiter. Like, what was it? I think Syracuse ended up hiring like a, a lower level assistant from Georgia that was just like ace recruiter guy yeah. but you wouldn't put foster in that category either no i mean he's he's not been bad um but i would say he's in the middle tier 
Like he's landed some guys um, at running back, but he's been primarily a running back recruiter. Offers a few guys a cycle, and that's about it. Like that's his that's his major contribution to recruiting. Um, a lot of times when you have like a, a, a you want a head coach who can be a real closer who can really kind of crush it. Um, so, well, that's that's an area for growth for him. Um, and I think you know if he wants this as badly as he showed yesterday, then. It's eminently possible he grows into that. Yeah. Um, but I would say that's an area where you have to have, like, vis-a-vis Tony White, like, a question more. Um, yeah. But both of them would not have had experience as head coaches. Both of them, in that respect, would have been a question mark. Um, there were no – there's a point I made on the broadcast on Monday, but there were no sure things. There never is in a coaching hire, but there especially isn't in February. True. You're, you're taking a gamble no matter who you're hiring. Um, and so – this is one of the bigger gambles, I thought, on the like menu of options. But it also, I mean, it has upside. Everything does. Yeah. Um, and so I think if he can connect to UCLA's past, if he can connect to donors, if he can connect to NIL funds, and if he can grow as a recruiter um, and evolve, uh, you know, keep the best parts of Chip Kelly, I guess, but evolve from that, then UCLA can have some success here. Yeah. So that, those are kind of like five categories. I gave like UCLA a sixth one. If you can't get any of those, hire an NFL position coach. You know, worked, <laughs> worked for Carl Durrell. An NFL position coach who's an alum. Yeah. Worked uh, for Carl Durrell, worked for Rick Neuheisel. Yeah. Um, he wasn't an NFL position coach. At yes, the time. he was. Was he? He really? was quarterback's coach for the Ravens. Oh, wow. Yeah. At least that was quarterback's coach. So this is the third NFL position coach UCLA's hired in the last 20 years or something. Uh, Mark wants to know, and that th- people think you might die. David Shaw might have been an interesting hire. Yeah, I'm going to... Mark, where are you? I need to jump over something to come there and um, arm. Daniel says, boy, this was a waste to listen to. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate you. Um, Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have been an interesting hire for the head coach job. No. Uh, Jared says... uh, Oh, wait, that's the wrong one came up here. Let me put it up. But Jared was saying... Um, Justin Wilcox would have been a home run hire. Mm. Mm. No, if UCLA could have landed him. No, um, and that's honestly from like a, a not overpaying in February is also a big factor. Um, and I think any of the sitting head coaches UCLA would have tried to get, like a Justin Wilcox or a Troy Taylor or whoever, um, you would have had to pay them so much money to come to UCLA mm-hmm. and you would have had albatross contracts stuck around your neck for somebody who's like, look, Troy Taylor might turn out to be okay, but like nowhere near a sure thing. Like nobody yeah. is again, but like those are very far from sh- like Jed fish. Like, yeah, that's pretty much a sure thing. He's going to recruit the hell out of the job and eventually they're going to be good. Like uh, as far as things go, like pretty much a sure thing. Um, but Troy Taylor and, and Justin Wilcox, I mean, what's the evidence that they're a sure thing or anything even close to it? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, you can't overpay for that. Jim Joy, uh, who is UCLA looking at for offensive coordinator? That's the key to foster success at Westwood. I think there's a lot of options. Um, Martin Jarman shared that he wanted um, somebody with head coaching experience on the staff. So, um, so they uh, want to get a real offensive coordinator somewhere. Yeah, I or... Um, there's a name that keeps getting shared here, David Shaw. Oh, really? His kid is a walk-on on the team. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Uh-huh. 
Uh, now we'll see. We'll Have see. You seen some I, of his I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Deshaun Foster decides to do. They've scored points in games, like <laughs> seven, nine points. They love field goals. Field goals are points, David. Like they sure are. I mean, I, if you got an Iowa offensive coordinator, you're like striving for punts. If you're a Stanford offensive coordinator, you're like, you know, David Shaw. You were striving for field goals. That was where the thank you their money was made. Dustin. Uh, or destiny. Um, how would you divide the pie of college football coaching areas of importance by percentage? Recruiting, culture building, NIL booster development, media relations, X's and O's, scouting, planning, staff management, game managing. That's there's a lot of things. There's there. a lot I, of things. Okay. Who, um, who are your most important ones? Uh, there's a lot. It depends on the job. So Oregon doesn't have to do a goddamn bit. The head coach doesn't have to do a goddamn bit of NIL booster development. And frankly, recruiting is actually like it's important. But um, their apparatus for all that stuff is just so good. Um, But for UCLA, for the next 12 months, it's NIL booster development and recruiting and the rest can go to hell. Like that's such a huge part of this um, because they need to build their entire infrastructure um, because nothing is built. Because Chip Kelly sat on his hands for a while, and Yusuf's administration was happy enough to look the other way. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Daniel says, you dipshits sound way too salty. Okay, so salty, I'm not sure. Like, should we? Be, does he mean we should be um, celebrating the hire more? I, I, we're just trying to report the facts here. Like, I don't – no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, who knows? It's, Where is that? Did you delete it? Uh, I don't know. It came up on my thing. Oh, okay. I see it now. It's in the I'm not sure track. if he's is he like a diehard UCLA fan. He must like, be a UCLA guy. I, look, I'm just I'm trying to explain to you the reality. I thought Dave was being very measured with all this. Stuff. Yeah, like, no, I'm I'm not killing it. You literally hired someone that's never been a coordinator, that wasn't an ace recruiter, that you know. But he's an alum. As covering USC, I've seen a lot of hires like this. Yeah, like on all different kind of positions. Like, Here's, did Lince want to have any qualifications besides being a former football player? Deshaun Foster has a lot more qualifications to be the head coach at UCLA than Lin Swan had to be the AD at yeah. USC. So I get it, but there's like along the same lines, it's just a high risk when he's been a running backs coach. Like that's what he was, and you're now the head coach. You know, right, there's, there's risks there. I'm going to give you my nutshell, and then I'm going to give you a personal note. So my nutshell is this: it's a big risk. Any hire was going to be somewhat of a risk. This is a bigger one than most. I can't and won't. Um, rule out the possibility of success. Yeah, you you can't do that at the beginning of a tenure. Like this could work out. He ca- I, he cares which matters. He gives a shit, and right. this is where the Sometimes. personal this is where the personal <laughs> note comes in. Because okay. frankly, I was at his press conference yesterday, and I'm an alumnus of UCLA. That's why I personally did you graduate for real? Or yeah, no, okay, five years, but straight history. <laughs> Two point two point seven one. Four years in engineering. Um, yeah, yeah, motherfucker. Uh, I had to lie to him and tell him I was going to take a poli sci minor, and then I just didn't, uh, so I could stay a fifth year. And I stayed a fifth year. Do you want to know why I stayed a fifth year? What? So I could watch uh, Ben Howland's uh, final team try to win and fail to uh, a national championship. Final four, though, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, they made it to a final four with Kevin Love. They should have gone so much farther. Um, personal note. Um, I went to his press conference yesterday. Uh, I'm an alumnus. I I, I, I care too much. Uh, and listening to a guy who gives a shit, like who gives a fuck, matters. Was awesome. Yeah. Like I look, I I can't I can't turn off the part of my brain that's analytical because that's actually the part that fuels the. Um, 
So there's this thing about positivity merchants, um, which I, I just want to say as a side note. There's people who who say you got to be positive all the time. You got to be positive all the time. That might be Daniel. Our that requires Daniel turning your fucking brain off, and it requires um, actually a deficit of what is true optimism, because true optimism requires having thoughts in reality, like thoughts in like, okay, how could this work out? What are the ways? What are the steps to make this work out? I inherently like deepen the recesses of my brain and an op- I'm an optimist. So I'm always thinking, wow, shit, how could this work out perfectly? How do you, how do you make this work? What, what, what steps, what building blocks need to be in place to make this work? So I'm thinking about the Sean Foster hire and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of blocks that need to be put in place to make this work. They can be, but they need to be put in place. So I write from that perspective. Like I write and I say, well, he's talking about only taking 15 offensive linemen. That's not a good idea. I'm not doing that to just criticize. Like that's not the point. The point is not the negativity. The point is for him not to do that. So if I write it, maybe it gets back to him. Maybe it gets back to the right people who tell him, hey, that's not a good idea. That's fundamentally what it is. And also I'm telling you the truth. Now, watching that, it's nice to hear somebody who gives a shit. Uh, Chip Kelly didn't give a fuck, did not care. <laughs> and that was true from day one, and it continued throughout the entire thing. I think the last time he mentioned a championship at UCLA was day one, the press conference. That was it. He didn't care. Deshaun Foster cares. That is job number fucking one. Um, and with that, you have possibility. You have things open to you. You have a road before you. Without that, nothing. There is no chance if you don't care. It's a job that in it's paid very well. It sucks in a lot of ways. Like, you got to do a lot of stupid shit. It sucks more now than it ever used to. Yeah. Um, it's a bad job that you get paid very well to do. You have to care. He fulfills the prerequisite. The rest of it is building blocks all right uh well i think we should probably take a break we got some questions and stuff to get to but i think that's a thorough we got about 50 minutes in on uh on the ucla situation crazy stuff that this is happening in the middle of february but that's kind of the world we live in so why don't we do this we'll take a quick break we'll come back and do our best to answer your questions back in a minute All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. We got a lot of uh, email questions in the past week. Um, should we just try to should we try to rapid fire through them? Because let's you... kill it. All right, is it Vegas craps table first or which? One? Ooh, um, I think it is. Uh, okay, Vegas craps table. Hey, my dudes, when is the POC craps table going down? I'm headed to Vegas for the. Glazier Clinic? The, uh, uh, yeah, the, the coaching clinic. Oh, what is that? Feb- it's, it's one of the coaching. They have coaching clinics all the time. Okay, uh, February 29th and March 3rd. If there's overlap, let me know. I will throw down a hard ways for y'all, but like minimum bet, I'm a broke butt high school teacher. Okay. Uh, I'm supposed to be in Catalina for a couple of those days, but I'll give you money for a bet. I can Venmo you. No, you won't because read the next sentence. Uh, point of order, I play the don't pass line, so get your hate out before you show up. Okay, we're not. Fuck off. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. Coach, Coach B in San Diego. Love you, but no. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's not too late to make chip dip. Forever yours, Paul Webfoot. This was on Wednesday. 
Hello, champions. As you both know and probably have already talked about, UCLA signed a bad recruiting class, 82nd in the country, worst in the Big Ten, a few spots behind powerhouse recruiter Northwestern, and the worst class in UCLA history. David, what the hell is happening? Chip clearly has one foot out the door. Why don't they just kick his ass out? Are they just hoping and praying that he gets an NFL OC job so he pays them the buyout instead? Yes. I get not wanting to throw a new coach to the Big Big Ten Wolves, but in a couple of years, UCLA's roster is going to look worse than Washington's does now. I will forever appreciate what Chip did for Oregon, and technically UCLA being down is good for Oregon, but still, he's got to go. Forever yours, Paul and Webfoot. Paul, great application. I have uh, agreed to make you the new UCLA athletic director. Yeah, he's smart about that. All right, we got uh, head coaching duties email lately. There's been a lot of talk about the additional responsibilities that have been added to a college football head coach's plate, promoting NIL, recruiting your own roster to stay every offseason, transfer portal recruiting, etc. The two of you have been hired as a joint entity to be co-head coaches of a major college football program. How would you divvy up the responsibilities, both on and off the field? Which parts of the job would each of you be good at, and which parts of the job would one of you be really, really bad at? Cheers, Keon, in the Bay Area. Uh, you'd have to learn how to coach. I'd do all the talking. Like I'd talk to the fucking media. I'd do the donor. Oh, shit. I would love the media. Shit. Yeah. I would do all that stuff. I think we would both be good at that stuff. I think you have to learn how to coach though. Cause I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I haven't seen, um, what's the soccer one, the Apple TV one. Uh, what's his name? I forget the. It's like Ted Lasso. A, Ted Lasso. Like I feel like we could Ted Lasso. I don't think stuff. I could motivate a single fucking person to do a single fucking thing. I could on do the that. Field. I could. I do think you have to do that. Okay. Like right, I can't. Okay. I can't, I'm not going to yell at people. Are you out of your mind? I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not raising my voice. I'm not blowing a whistle. Um, Fuck out of here. I'm not great with the. Uh, I like. I forget names and stuff. Like you really have to be kind of a politician for some of this recruiting stuff. So I think that would be bad at that. I could nail a lot of that stuff. I wouldn't like it. Like. When I criticize like guys not doing recruiting, it's because it's the job. I would hate it. I would uh, absolutely hate it. Like having to like talk to like a sixteen year old and try to like be like, "Hey, where do you want to go to school?" No, I would love the portal. Like the date, there's basically a database of players, and I would definitely tamper the shit out of it too. Like before they even get to the portal, I, I think I would love that. Yeah, because well, you're a big fucking nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> All right, uh, what's next? We got... um, This is from Parker? Yeah, or K. Oh. Question, how many fan bases are happy about the breakup of the Conference of Champions? Which which individuals are actually responsible for the key decisions at each school, and why do any of them still have their jobs at this point? Can this be fixed? Thank you, K. I think Arizona's happy. Um, You think so? I mean, vaguely. I don't Uh, know if any, like, like... They're in a better basketball conference now, so I think they're happy about that. Yeah. Um, I think Colorado, maybe. I don't think Utah is. Yeah, they're with BYU now, which I don't think they really want. Yeah, um, maybe I mean, Colorado. Uh, USC, I think, because you guys are all like money grubbing psychos, maybe. USC, I think, yeah. I mean, there's still sadness with no Cal Stanford. Yeah. But I think in general, they're just sort of happy to be kind of where they are. I think everyone else is like bordering on, you know, despondent. I think it's like kind of a necessary eagle evil for like Oregon and Washington to not be left behind. Yeah, probably but they would have UC- much preferred to stay in the uh, probably UCLA necessary evil evil too. Yeah, I mean this is another thing where I think the administration is not necessarily aligned with the majority of the fan yeah. base. Um, okay, and then which individuals are actually responsible? Mostly the presidents, a lot of the ads. Yeah, 
Those are the kind of, and why do they still have their jobs? A lot of them made really, 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 really bad decisions throughout the last 12 years of the death of the Pac-12, Larry Scott. And some of them don't have their jobs anymore, but some still do. What I've realized over the years is like how insular a lot of these people are and how insulated they are from um, public Yeah, no opinion. clue. Uh, no idea. No, but like also like insulated from like people, uh, you don't have much control over whether they keep their job. Okay. So. This one's uh, Chip versus Clay from Danny. First off, my condolences to Dave for losing Chip, a once-in-a-generation coaching talent, to another Big Ten team. I know he's been going through the stages of grief on Twitter, so I wanted to offer my sympathies. UCLA fans like to clown on us by mentioning Clay Helton, but I wanted to ask this question to set the record straight. There was, remember there was a stat where like Chip Kelly had to win like 30 straight games to, to tie Clay Helton's record or something? Um but anyway, both Chip and Helton were at the helm as head coaches for about the same time in what could be argued as the worst football eras as, at both L.A. schools. And yet, Helton was able to decently recruit, had three Pac-12 championship appearances with one Pac-12 title and a Rose Bowl win. While I hated the Helton era, seeing what's happened at UCLA under Chip, I would honestly take Helton 100 times over. Dave and Ryan, which tenure would you have preferred? Has Chip left UCLA in a worse situation than Helton left USC? Been a POC listener since the first episode. Appreciate the podcast and all that you both bring to it. Thanks, here, Danny. Here, here's my take on that. Helton was a bad coach on the field and established a bad culture and didn't do a good job in a lot of respects for that program. Did you ever doubt for a second that he gave a shit? No, he he wanted to, yeah. He cared. He wanted to win. He wanted to do well. He just didn't know how to do it. He's not very good. That's the Rick Neuheisel. That's the... Carl Durrell. Like, I'm just not very good at this, but I'm trying. Chip Kelly was unique because he didn't give a shit. Like, he didn't care. It did not, it, 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 it he did not matter to him beyond like a momentary issue after a game, whether they won or lost. Like, it didn't eat at him. He didn't like go home and stay up until like two in the morning rewatching the film, being like, God, what happened? He has like his beliefs. He was just going to execute those beliefs and whatever happened, right. happened, right? He, he, and that's the part that like provides the like kind of unique perspective on Chip is that he just didn't care. And that's the part that drives you all crazy. Like that's the part that like you can deal with a bad coach. Like UCLA's had enough of them. Like you can deal with a coach who goes bad, like Jim Mora. You can deal with that. But a coach who doesn't care, who cares less than like a random fan who just bought a ticket to the game, what the f- like you can't do that. Like the the deal is you get paid 6 million dollars and we're expecting you to work 95 hours a week during the season. Like that's yeah. the deal. Um and that's not that's not what was happening here. No. Um and it's not like you're you're the the pay is to care, the pay is to be that cheerleader, the pay is to be the champion of the program. All that kind of stuff. And he didn't want to do any of that. So crazy. Yeah, that's the big difference, Danny. All right. Next up, uh, another one from Danny. Oh, Chip UCLA Blame Pie. Hi, gents. I have another question. Hope that's okay. Dave, I listened to the recent Bro podcast, and you and Tracy mentioned how the media and Chip were likely to frame his departure and failure as a UCLA institutional problem. It seems that this has already begun by prominent Pac 12 and college football writers and media outlets. What is your pushback to them pinning the failure of his tenure at UCLA? And to what degree, if any, can UCLA, including Martin Jarman, be blamed for Chip's tenure for how Chip's tenure went down? The reason I ask is because with all the talent at Ohio State and with a semi-competent Chip, that team seems likely to make the playoff and even compete for the national championship. This would easily redeem Chip, and people would look back at his time at UCLA and simply blame the institution. 
Despite whatever success he may have at UCL at Ohio State, I do not believe Chip should be left off the hook for his failures as a head coach at UCLA. Would love to get both of your thoughts on this. Thanks. I think you addressed this pretty well already. Yeah. Right. Um, so thanks, Diddy, for that. But yeah, this there there are people out there saying that you know UCLA didn't have this, didn't have that. They didn't. I mean, Chip Kelly was not doing his job before everything sort of changed. But you're right. Ohio State's got like. I think the best transfer class, like yeah. the best recruiting class, or one I have of no them, doubt he'll put together a good offense. They're they're going to probably be AP number one next year. Yeah, which is insane. And so he's going to. Yeah. yeah, no the 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 narrative is going to be followed by him having a successful stint as an offensive coordinator. So the narrative is going to become the truth. Um, I mean the the reality is going to be different from that. The reality is he messed up the job from day one, and Martin Jarman didn't do a good job. Martin Jarman should have fired him, uh, should have let him go in 2021 when he was flirting, or at least held firm that, no, you're not getting a contract extension. Um, he probably shouldn't have extended him after 2022. Uh, and he should have fired him at the end of the season. On top of that, whether Chip wants to or not, you got to do a better job with NIL. Like, you got to be, you've got to be supportive of that from the jump. And they weren't, and you saw his way behind now. Would they still be way behind even if Martin Jarman had done a lot more? Probably, because Chip Kelly was very bad. But nobody's absolved of blame in that relationship. A tenure does not go halfway into the offseason of a seventh season at 35 and 34 without failures abounding. Um, that's that was, that was ridiculous. I called it out in real time. It doesn't change now. Winning record? Okay. Uh, Frank in Sacramento, a question for Dave. Uh, Ken Grayer of Men of Troy was talking on Bro- Men of Westwood. He may okay. Men of Westwood. Sorry. Yeah. He wrote Men of Troy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. No. I don't you're know who you're this not. Is. You're not wrong. Okay. Was talking on the broadcast that high school kids should be choosing UCLA because it's a great school with a great degree and gives them a great future, and the UCLA coeds are pretty. Has he caught uh, onto the fact that the top high school football players are very short-sighted? and only care about money, that's why they're all going to Oregon. So this is one, Frank, where um, he's speaking in the perspective of somebody who's experienced the Chip Kelly recruiting apparatus firsthand. And yes, NIL is the most important factor in the vast majority of recruitments now. But you still do all the old truths and verities of recruiting. Like you still call guys, you still offer a bunch of guys, you still build relationships and all that kind of stuff because that stuff matters first for the guys who don't take NIL money coming out of high school because there's still a bunch of those. Two, this is also important, it can improve your negotiating position when you're negotiating NIL deals. It's not always that school is going to pay me the most, so I'm going there. Yeah, It's I'm getting... I can get 75 over here, but I can get 50 over here, and I really love that coach. Yeah. I'm going there. Um, so in that respect, it's all about pitching your position. UCLA, because of its position in the world, doesn't probably need the whatever. I mean, what's a big NIL budget that we've heard? Like $15 million? That's what uh, Yeah, Chip's boy Ryan Day said. Probably doesn't need $15 million to be competitive. UCLA, if it gets $5 million, $6 million, could be pretty competitive. Like, it's enough that you can spread out some money and also put some bigger bigger dollars on guys that you really want. But you can spread out some money, too. Um, but the, all the other stuff still matters because the money is getting, I won't say relatively equal in college football, but lots of schools have NIL budgets now. It, when everyone has something, it's not always like, 
oh, it's just a bidding war for that guy and we're going to lose it. It's, okay, well, now it's back to all the old stuff. It's back to relationships. It's back to do I know your, do I know you and do I know your mom and dad and do I know your assistant coach in high school who's like your mentor and do I know the guy who runs your seven-on-seven team? Do I have a relationship with all these people? And that's the part that's a factor. So he's talking about soft factors. Soft factors still matter in recruiting. If you looked at it and you probably uh, graphed where guys end up going to school, it's probably still mostly in the region that they live. Um, There's still reasons for all that kind of stuff. So anyway, all that being said, all that stuff still matters, and that was his main point. And also, Uso is not going to have $15 million in NIL, even if everything goes gangbusters. Gotcha. Um, So... All right, uh, this is from Clark. Uh, questions. Two questions. Was the rumor about UCLA holding multiple interviews in Cabo completely fra- fabricated by your boy Shear? No. Since when does a school hold interviews like it's a corporate conference? Um, it's because it's because a couple of coaches were on vacation there, um, and so it was an easy place to go. Um, they also went to Scottsdale. Um, so there were a couple different places yeah, they Dave went. Dave texted me like, hey, you're in Scottsdale. Go check these guys out. He's <laughs> like, go see if you're running them with waste management. There's 200,000 people there. Like, Keep your head on a swivel, all right? Was, you were always running into Chip Kelly down in freaking Hermosa. I did run into Chip Kelly, yeah. Um, I'm going to miss him. Uh, Ryan, where did you golf in Scottsdale? Rate the courses out of 10, please. Oh, uh, Awatuki um, Country Club. We played there. Actually shot pretty good for me. Uh and that was okay. Like the the greens were kind of crappy. The the grass wasn't great, but it was it was okay. And then uh, my buddy's a member, the legend at Arrowhead. That was like the public course. And then that we played that Sunday. There's a private course. I didn't get to play that one, but he's a member, so we could have. But just that's where we got the tee time. And I didn't really. It was the course was cool, but it was like super slow. It was Super Bowl Sunday. We had we had to stop at nine because we couldn't. We're like we're gonna miss the Super Bowl. So so it was like meh. It was fine. Okay, nothing great. Uh, okay, um, next here. Wait, this is... Don't open that attachment. I don't know what the heck that is. Okay. Um, all right, this is for Corbin, or from Corbin. Question for David, UCLA OC. I asked ask this with the understanding that the admin is moving quickly, and the name may have already been announced by the time you read this. For Deshaun Foster's UCLA... Who would be the better ser- who would be of better service to the program? Former Stanford coach David Shaw or former Florida State Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher? Thank you for your commentary. I'm really upset for all of my past transgressions that has made people take it out on me. Like oh my this. god, you talk so much shit. I know. And like know. when something like Hoisted UCLA by my hires, own petard. UCLA hires a, you know, NFL running backs coach to be their head coach mm-hmm. and their head coach leaves to be an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator in the same mm-hmm. conference that they're in. Yeah. Shit's going to float. It's yeah. going to come way downhill towards yeah. you. Yeah, because it requires me being such a good sport because I'm such a dick all the time. <laughs> God. But you won't reconsider being a dick. No, no, it's too fun. <laughs> this isn't fun. So you just have to endure But it this. is too fun. You just have to endure this so you can still have fun later. Yeah, David Shaw, baby. Let's go. Let's party. All right. Uh, this is uh, Fuck a You. David, hey David, it's me, fuck a you, with the wonderful news of UCLA getting their head coach, I just thought I'd say congratulations. I'm sure your previous coach took an opportunity to go to the NFL, right? Oh, I see you took a demotion in the same conference to be an OC. Ouch, that's got a sting. But hey, at least you got rid of Chip Kelly like you wanted for a bigger, better name, right? Maybe getting a group of five head coach or getting a highly touted coordinator, a guy who wants to be a Bruin? 
man, what a great time to be a UCLA fan. And from what I'm reading, David Shaw might be making a comeback. That is so awesome. David, a legendary Pac-12 coach coming in and helping the Bruins. Anyways, I'm sure you've got a lot of media coverage to do for this great new head coach and awesome AD who took time out of his day to find a coach from a USC fan who had to endure you rooting for us to keep Helton for so many years. <laughs> Payback's a bitch. Did you read this before, Ed? Because this no. is exactly no. what you were talking about. No, that's exactly what it is. Um, Jim had some suggestions in the uh, chat about uh, courses. I've played a lot of fun courses in Scottsdale. Just this, It was a little tough with Super Bowl weekend. Waste management, everyone, Jeff, you know, it's really hard to golf there because all these golfers are in town for waste management. So, um, Sorry for your loss, David. Oh, wait, hold on. You want to go to sorry for your loss, David. Okay. Uh, so he says. There's two emails. Okay. Long time listener, first time email. Oh, wait, he takes back his question. That's what I was going to say. Do I need to read the first one? Um, he said, I take back my question. Okay, whatever. Well, we're, we're on the time stick, so we won't do that. New question. Given the new head coaching hire and smoke around David Shaw, how big of an asshole is Chip Smelly? Uh, I think I've made it very clear. Yes. I think he's a gigantic asshole. Um, I think there are um, so many reasons for that. Uh, fundamentally um, failing in your, like, I, look, I'm not, uh, like, there's I talked about this with Jonathan Smith bouncing from Michigan State and it being his alma mater and like you've got a duty to like give a shit like I mean just like interpersonally like you got to care about your alma mater more than that like and I know it's all big business and I know people don't like talking about soft stuff but you got to care Chip yeah. Kelly got paid six million dollars to care and he didn't give a fuck yeah um and that's just I mean you're a disgraceful human being like that's just disgraceful um, his previous email said, I know Chip Kelly held a special place in your heart. He will be remembered for his excellence and arrogance and for his dedication to everything not related to UCLA exactly. football. <laughs> exactly. And so it's just good. like, and I'm not, I, I'm not like, look, I'm not going to say like Rick Neuheisel is a bad guy or Carl Durrell is a bad guy or Jim Moore is a bad guy. They all like, you know, in the bounds of what they were capable of doing, they all tried. They just weren't very good. Um, Chip Kelly didn't try. Um, and that's like a, that's a character flaw. That's a. That's something that you kind of know somebody's a piece of shit. Like, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. So, um, and he treats people poorly. Um, so David's distraught, everybody. So if you're watching in ch the chat, you know, and you want to give a super chat to kind of cheer him up, go there. <laughs> yeah, I miss my guy. Uh, this is from Peter in Vancouver. Jason Shear allegation, gentlemen. Okay. Your buddy Jason Shear at Wildcat Authority has been alleging that Jed Fish interviewed for the UCLA head coaching job. He even doubled down after it was reported that Fish was in Cabo on vacation during the time the UCLA job was open. Obviously, he didn't get the job. I'm wondering why Jason would be alleging that Fish was interviewing for that job. It wouldn't make sense since he still hasn't even put together his staff at UW yet. And correct me if I'm wrong, the UCLA job would not be a step up from the UW job. If anything, it would be a step down. And as I understand it, UCLA's financial situation is such that UCLA probably couldn't have matched what UW is paying Fish and his staff as well as the $12 million buyout. So I'm wondering, especially from Dave, if you guys have any insight into what was going on with this allegation. Was it just a matter of a disgruntled Arizona fan trying to troll Husky fans? Peter. So I addressed this earlier. From what I understand, there was at least a conversation. I wouldn't like I, – I, I posted this on the board. I didn't even add him to the hot board because I wouldn't characterize what happened as an interview. But I don't think like, – But there was contact. Jason's getting shit on here for um, uh, I think being public with like calling it an interview – which I wouldn't have called it that, but like a conversation during a coaching search, what is that? I don't know. With a potential head coach. That yeah, could, and yeah. I don't think he was like, quote unquote, interviewing or even interested in the job. Like, I really don't. I think he was very interested in December and probably was a little butthurt that it didn't open up. Yeah. But 
like I, I, he might have conveyed that, being like, "Hey, piss off! I would have taken it, you know, two months ago, but I can't take it now." Um, and it was never a reality. Like UCLA, like I can imagine an initial conversation being like, "Hey, Jed, we're interested in talking to you, but what's your buyout?" Uh, twelve million dollars, you idiots. Okay, see you later. And that being the extent of it. Um, now, like from what I understand, it was a very like some short conversation that went more or less like that. Um, but I don't think Jason was quote wrong. I think it was just a matter of like how you characterize that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think he's getting shit on from a lot of different quarters, especially from uh Fish and his agent. Um, and they they have to deny it. Like, because, it, you know, even that doesn't sound good. But, like, if you're a Washington fan, I wouldn't take much more of it than that. It's uh, UCLA was, was as Jarmon said yesterday, they had an initial list, list of 50. They vetted 20-plus. Yeah. Well, in that 20-plus, they also vetted Brett, Brent Brennan and Jed Fish. Found out they weren't interested in the job because they've just taken new fucking jobs that if UCLA had opened this in December or November like they should have, they could have looked at both those guys. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, this is gonna be on the higher end. More, of our... more, more a comment on UCLA's messing up the time frame than anything to do with I think either the head coach at Arizona or Washington. Yeah, this is gonna be the higher end of uh, uh, cuss words on this podcast. I yeah, think. sorry, I'm, 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 I'm doing well. He's a little fired up. Uh, okay, we got one last one. New coach hire in Vegas. Hello, gents. First, a question for Dave. Both of you have talked about how a coaching search is the best possible business scenario for your websites, but with the transfer portal massively accelerating hiring decisions, also Alabama, Washington, Arizona, etc., the actual period of a new coaching coverage is greatly reduced. Given that, would you like to reconsider your position in favor of player movement? Turns out freedom has consequences, at least for you. Hmm. <laughs> You're making them think. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So I was a big absolutist on this. Um, I think th- where I've come around, and this might make me more of an institutionalist, and maybe it's the part of my um, me getting older and I'm getting more conservative as I get older, um, there's some of this stuff that is harming the sport that I think ultimately ends up um, diminishing opportunities um, for players, diminishing opportunities to – like. Because right now, this constriction of college football, even just like at a, at a structural level to um, now a power four and soon a, just a big two, um, that's going to diminish opportunities for guys to shine on the biggest stages and potentially you know make the NFL or, or get into those positions. But those schools might also start cutting sports rather than right. even keeping them. And when you do that, then you're taking the number of spots available and reducing them. Um, and... All of these things combined, I think, has a de- like destabilizing an institution is not always a good thing. Sometimes it's disruptive and good, and sometimes it's destabilizing and bad. Um, a lot of this stuff has destabilized the power structures in, in college football, and you've seen some things that people tout as good, like, oh, yeah, all these coaches who are like little tin pot dictators are now moving on to the NFL or whatever because they don't want to deal with it anymore. And yeah. But they're also moving on, some of them, because it's broken. Like, when you have to re-recruit your entire uh, um, roster every single cycle, which now looks like it might be a reality if they take away the one-time transfer rule um, and make it any time, 
so you have to re-recruit your whole roster all the time. And not just from a coaching perspective, but from a fan perspective, from a school perspective, the dollars and cents involved suddenly stop making sense. Yeah. Um, and the the realities of like the farce that is um, college athletics at like a base level, like these are kids supposed to be students and they're going to be rentals for six months. What? We got to cre- create a bunch of graduate majors for these guys. What? Um, and we've got to hit up all of our donors to our institution to also give to like some black box NIL collective to make this all work. And yeah, for I mean, I mean, we're we're touting men of Westwood on our message board, and like the reality is that you're going to have to do it right now if you want to have a competitive football program. But is any of this good? No. Um, and so I think it's all part and parcel that there needs to be some sort of regulation and. Maybe it's all just uh, college football and college sports in general are just going to die, and the, they're going to have to be professionalized at some level. Um, but it's it's that would be a shame because I think the the yes there is there are exploitative aspects of college athletics, but there's also um, there's a upward mobility. Um, there's uh, uh, there's a lot of good that comes from it. Not just like, yes, there is exploitation. I think there's a middle ground solution that can be found that doesn't exploit, that does pay, that does share, but also uh, keeps the golden goose. Um, Because I think right now there's a lot of stuff that's about to strangle that particular goose. Yeah. Uh, Real quick uh, before second part, congrats on Ryan Grubb. Uh, He's back in Seattle. Yeah, baby. Not at Washington, at the Seahawks. So that's kind of funny. Um yeah, Kalen DeBoer's tenure is going to be even tougher, I think, now. Uh, second, I'm looking forward to attending the last Pac-12 basketball tournament in Vegas next month. David and I will be there. Not sure if I can handle playing craps in downtown with y'all through the night. I was born old. But hopefully, might you hold a formal gathering at Park MGM just like two years ago? Also, I have yet to do a super chat, but instead, I'd like to invite you to to dine at one of Dave's favorite places, to gain several pounds. Uh, what is it? The Bacchanal? The Bacchanal. Buffet at Caesars Palace. I am apparently a degenerate gambler with way too many rewards credits. So I'll let you figure out the comp meal to West Texas Mike's conversion rate. Keep it meh, Matthew from Mountain View. I See, would love that. This is the kind of eat the Bacchanal. This is the kind of employee I love, Matthew. Because he's obviously we employ him. We don't pay him. Right. But we employ him. He's like and he's inter- he's going to pay us for the privilege in dinner <laughs> at the buffet. That's very generous of you, Matthew. Appreciate you. Um, yeah. I, what's your schedule? You're getting in on Wednesday, right? I'm, get, I'm going to be there Wednesday to Friday. Okay. I'm getting in Thursday. Um, if we were going to do a get-together thing, it would probably be either Thursday afternoon. It kind of depends on our team's schedules or maybe Friday before uh, the semifinals. But I'm leaving Friday, so I don't think I could. Why like- would you do that? What USC's, if USC is going to win? They're not going to be in it. What if they are? And then I, maybe I'll stay, but. What a loser. Yeah. I'm there Wednesday. Yeah, but I'm there Thursday. Because yeah, USC's playing Wednesday. Wow. Wow. I didn't know this about him, that he's a loser. Um, I'm going to Vegas the next week. That didn't stop you two years ago. I know, but it, <laughs> it stopped some things. <laughs> Matthew said he was born old, like. I, I'm growing old, you know, like it's still, I can do Vegas for whatever reason I can do like still like all night, like 20 year olds, like can't hang with me, but 
I'm still 53. Like, it's not easy to do this. Are you really? I'm 53, yeah. Wow. Who knew? Turned 53 in December. Damn. Wow. Ancient. Ancient Mariner. I'm an old, not a boomer. Gen no, X, but an ancient Mariner. Gen Xer. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up. I know you wanted to be out of here five minutes ago. So um, thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. If you're watching live on the stream, that was awesome. Thanks for listening. This was cathartic for me. Yeah. Now, hopefully this was uh, it was good. That guy Daniel didn't like it, but whatever. I mean, hopefully everyone else did. Uh, but yeah, we had a bunch, I think 80-something people watching live on our YouTube channel. Thank you for that. And everyone that listens across the podcasting platform. It's awesome. Uh, we will continue to talk about every team. We were going to do Utah this week, so we'll probably push them off to another week. UCLA had all the weird news, so we had to do them this week. But for uh, everyone in our podcast of Champions family, thanks for sticking with us. We're going to continue to talk about those 12 teams. The former Pac-12 football powers, and uh, we'll keep doing that for the foreseeable future. So for David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.